Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. This October, Yumiko introduces the Unity Collection. Yumiko acknowledges and supports the inclusive future of dance. With playful stripes and creative color palettes, the Unity Collection celebrates diversity united through movement. Check out the various options available in the fan favorite Alicia and Sofiane styles. Limited quantities are available. As a reminder, the New York flagship store is open for business with limited hours to suit all your needs, whether still training at home or in the studio. Stay tuned for new releases, live events, and all things Yumiko at yumiko.com and at yumiko on Instagram. Before we get started today, we wanted to let you know that we will be taking a short time off from conversations on dance due to other work commitments. This will be our last episode until the middle of November. We are hoping to make it up to you with some extra bonus content in November, so stay tuned. But in the meantime, be sure to connect with us on social media at Conversations on Dance. One more note. During the editing process of this episode, we realized that we had some background noises that were not apparent to us while we were recording. While we tried our very best to edit the episode as much as possible, we appreciate your patience with us as we do at-home Zoom recordings. Enjoy the episode, and we can't wait to be back with you in November. I'm Rebecca King-Ferraro. And I'm Michael Breeden, and you're listening to Conversations on Dance. Today, we are joined by Leslie Andrea Williams, chorus dancer with the Martha Graham Dance Company. Leslie was born in Newport News, Virginia, and grew up in Raleigh, North Carolina. She joined the Martha Graham Dance Company just two months after graduating from the Juilliard School in May of 2015. Since then, she has performed numerous featured roles in iconic Graham ballets, such as Chronicle, Appalachian Spring, Diversion of Angels, and Embattled Garden. She was recently featured in Dance Magazine as a dancer on the rise. Today, we talk with Leslie about her training, her transition to the Graham technique, and her time with the company. And we are going with Leslie. Hello, Leslie. (laughs) Hi. (laughs) We're so happy to have you. Oh, this is 
such a pleasure. I'm so happy that I could do this with you guys. Um, I've, I'm a fan of you two, especially since meeting you, Rebecca, in Vail. I know. So I was like, yeah, I would love to do this podcast. Oh, so you're so sweet. Thanks for asking me. And yeah. The people at home cannot see this, but you look stunning today. Yeah, did you, so like, beautiful. Did you get did for us? Because you look amazing. And I'm just sitting here like in a, the shirt I slept in. <laughs> You know, you look good, you feel good. That's, That's my right. Philosophy. That's true. That's true. Girl, you're right. <laughs> sometimes I, I would literally just get dolled up just to go to my living room, honey, and yeah, it helps. That's it good. Helps. Yeah. That's um, really important. We were just talking about how food helps too. Mm-hmm. And for me, it's more food helps and I don't ever put on makeup and I only put on makeup for Zoom calls these days, I feel so. Just did it like two seconds ago before we got on this call. And for me, it's running. I run literally running away from my problems. That's what I, we all have our coping mechanisms, which we were supposed to get to at the end of this interview because we've been talking a lot about that. But we'll, so we'll circle back, but let's start, let's go back to the beginning. Leslie, when did you first um, fall in love with dance and, and start to develop an interest in, in dance in general? Um, I guess when I realized that I could sort of I was I was kind of good at it and I realized that I could maybe do it uh as a as, not as a profession but I could keep going with it for a long time cuz mm-hmm. I had started dancing when I was 3 years old. Right. So, you know, when you're young you're just going and doing it because it's fun and you know, you're just basically like running around a studio and all of that. But I always sort of picked up on choreography and 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 uh dance combinations even when I was young like there's this one uh, really great video of um, me when I was like five mm-hmm. um, doing a dance recital. And they had the two like older girls in the front, like doing the choreography and all the younger girls were following them. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, if you like the, the camera pans over and while everyone in the back is sort of struggling to follow, I am mm-hmm. two counts ahead of the people in the front. <laughs> That's right. Mm-hmm. So, you know what comes next. So I knew, yeah, I knew my choreography. So <laughs> I realized pretty early, I guess, that this was something that I was good at. Um, but then when I started doing it very seriously, uh, around like maybe like nine, ten, mm-hmm. um, I was, you know, taking classes on Saturdays, you know, just at the studio all day, um, neglecting my studies. <laughs> <laughs> as, as we do. <laughs> <laughs> Um, that's when I realized I was like, I really love to dance and I'm really, I, I, I feel like I'm good at it. So I feel like this is something I should just keep going with. Yeah. Have you continued to have a strength for learning choreography and knowing what comes next? I always wonder if that's where you're going to ask you, Michael. <laughs> no, I decided I know the answer to this. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. I was worked yes. with Leslie. The answer is yes. If you... <laughs> <laughs> She's giggling yeah. and saying yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's really true. Cause, um, I'm the type of person that like always kind of goes ahead of the count mm-hmm. as opposed to like on the count. Cause it actually helps with Graham too, because you have to like anticipate a lot. Right. But um, yeah, I'm definitely that person that's like, I know my steps. That's mm-hmm. awesome. I love that. <laughs> so what was your training like at this point when you did, you were, you said around nine or 10, you got a little more serious or started to think of it a little bit. Um, you know, you were doing it all day Saturday. So mm-hmm. um, what, where were you training and what was like the, the sort of focus of this training at that point? 
So my, the focus was mainly ballet. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was, um, uh, I started dancing when I was three um, and I was in Virginia. And then I moved to North Carolina when I was like seven. And uh, I was with like Cary Ballet Conservatory, which was like oh, yeah. in, in uh, Cary, North Carolina. And then I went to, as I got older, excuse me, I went to Raleigh School of Ballet. Uh, which is in Raleigh, North Carolina. Mm-hmm. And um, that's where I really uh, was doing the Saturday classes, really getting serious. That's when I was about uh, eight or nine. And then um, they had this uh, division off of the school called Raleigh Dance Theater. It's like the school company. And that's when they were really sort of treating us like we were young professionals, you know, rehearsing every day, performing, uh, in theaters, uh, and then the rehearsals on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after Raleigh School of Ballet, I went to North Carolina School of the Arts for ballet. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was like full time professional. Right, right, right. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. It was, is, it, is that the point where you felt like you were seriously thinking about um, a career in dance? Was I think that? I got to School of the Arts. Right. That happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And were you focusing, you were clearly focusing your um, dance training on ballet. Was that like your mindset also for your professional career too? No, um, I think I realized at a certain point while I was at School of the Arts that um, ballet is not necessarily where I saw myself going. Not because I didn't love it, but I, I realized once I started taking more um, contemporary and modern uh, techniques um, I realized that my my way of moving um, sort of matched with those techniques a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Um, although I still love ballet, I felt like physically the physicality of the movement um, just sort of matched more with how I danced, also how my body was, my body mm-hmm. height. Also, I was sort of uh, encouraged by some of the contemporary teachers at School of the Arts. Uh, to switch over to the modern program mm-hmm. when I was uh, at School of the Arts uh, because they had they had separate there were separate concentrations but mm-hmm. because of um, Ethan Stiefel was our dean at the time he mixed the concentrations with classes so you right. were if you were a ballet uh, concentration you were required to take you know all the techniques that they had for modern mm-hmm. um, composition, all that stuff. And then if you were a modern dancer, you uh, took ballet point, ballet partnering, all mm-hmm. that. So it was nice. Of, it was cool that I got to sort of experience everything and realize that I think professionally, if I was going to do this, it would make more sense to have a little bit more uh, in my repertoire of skills, mm-hmm. right? This ballet. And did you take Graham classes there as well? Is that where you first had Graham introduction? No, I did did not have Graham until I got to Juilliard. Mm -hmm. Okay. So let's talk about Juilliard for a second. What was, um, uh, was that always a goal for you? Or um, is that just something that fit in? You're saying like you were getting all these different kinds of classes at School of the Arts, North Carolina, and then Juilliard is like that on a next level. Like the the number of things you guys perform, um, the the range of things that I've seen Juilliard students um, perform is just kind of nuts. So was that just something that you you liked and thought that would click with you? Yeah, I think it. Um, uh, the thing I like about Juilliard, it really helped one become a well-rounded dancer. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and, you know, I wasn't exactly sure what I wanted to do in dance. I just knew that I wanted to dance. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I knew that it wasn't just ballet. So by the end of School of the Arts, by the time I was graduating, um, I actually wasn't exactly sure where I wanted to go, but I knew I wanted to get an education. Um, so my mom actually told me about Juilliard. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't really, it wasn't something that was necessarily on my radar. I knew about it. And then, um, I looked into it and I was like, this is perfect mm-hmm. because you not only get very serious ballet training, you also get serious ballet training in, or serious training in all other, uh, techniques and style. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to explore where else I could go. Right. Um, so Juilliard was great for that. Mm-hmm. So was this first Graham experience at Juilliard, was it like a, a love at first step, Move. first contraction? <laughs> <laughs> or was this something that you you kind of grew to love? What was that like, uh, development like for you? about Graham or just... Graham, like that specific, because you were saying that was the first time you had taken a Graham class was at Juilliard, right? Yeah, and um, I'm going to go ahead and say no. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it was not love at first contraction at all. <laughs> It was more like, what is this? Uh-huh. Uh, because, you know, I came from the ballet background, you know, so mm-hmm. like I was doing other styles, like Graham is so specific mm-hmm. um, and it just doesn't make sense. I mean, you're on the floor for like an hour and then you stand up and you're like, it's just, it, it wasn't clicking with uh, me quite yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, even though I had an amazing teacher, uh, I found that I appreciated like the imagery of it, you know, the emotion, the emotionality, you know, mm-hmm. connecting with, you know, um, what's around you being super aware, but technically I found it was really hard for me to get into right away. Right. Mm. I love that you brought up the specificity of it because we had so many great conversations, um, while working about collective together about like Graham is every bit as specific as, you know, the balance sheet background that most of the people on that gig came from. And so it was just so illuminating and um, really interesting to hear you talk about like the, how specific a Graham hand is or like what um, an actual like motivation behind something is and what, why it should look the way it should look. I just, I love all of that. Is that part of what appealed to you? Um, I think the specificity of the technique was not something that I really was aware of mm-hmm. until I joined the Graham Company. Okay. Mm-hmm. But what I knew was that the emotionality, mm-hmm. I knew that, you know, the connection of a pleading was the idea of like a deep-seated emotion in the body. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. the, the pleading is is like a, it literally, they call it a pleading because you're literally like pleading, like, please, you know, mm-hmm. you're, you're really uh, expressing mm-hmm. a feeling, which is what causes you to do the step. You right. know, mm-hmm. when, um, for instance, like when we were doing uh, the pleading exercises, Therese, our teacher would always say, um, feel like you're on a warm, on warm sand on a beach or feel mm-hmm. like you're in a grassy meadow and, and, you know, the sun is, is beaming on you. Mm-hmm. And that's what you're feeling when you're, when you're pleading or, or when you do like a fourth position turns around the back, you feel like your fingers are, are waiting over a pool of water. Mm-hmm. And that's what makes you, you know, that's how you move your hands. You know, mm-hmm. it's things like that. I, the imagery I totally connected with and I understood how that was connected to the technique, but right. the technique element 
that didn't make sense to me until later when I took it. This is like going off slightly off track of what we're talking about, but how many of those sorts of imagery moments come directly from Martha Graham and how much do people kind of put their own interpretation in it when they're passing it on? Um, I would say it's unclear, but I yeah. think the reason why a lot of amazing legendary Graham teachers have this imagery most likely is because they worked with Martha and they and she sort of passed down that information to them. Mm-hmm. Also, there are other teachers that worked very closely with Martha, Martha like uh, Yuriko and Pearl Lang, that had um, very specific ways of teaching the technique mm-hmm. um, that are different, you know, from from you know, say Therese Capusili, for instance. I'd say it's unclear, but I want to believe because I didn't know Martha personally. I mm-hmm. want to believe that she, the way she choreographed anything um, was definitely based on a pure emotion. Mm-hmm. But I only think that because the, what you see in the choreography is what informs the technique, I can mm-hmm. only, I can only think that right. it's affirmative, like absolutely. Right. Right, right, right. The, the imagery is such a big part of it. And um, when I, when I take class, Um, some teachers are very strong on imagery and emotion and then others are very strong on technique. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I think it's a mix. Yeah. It kind of makes me think, Michael, don't you think a little bit of the stories we hear about Balanchine is that in some ways he would leave things kind of open to the dancer's interpretations and then Mm -hmm. the originators would kind of create stories for themselves and then they pass that down. But like you're saying, it was in the choreography for them Mm -hmm. to interpret it that way. That's interesting. Right. Yeah. The Graham legend is so cool. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. just, it's, it's so like, like, um, it, you know, it's very, it reminds, of course we were from the balancing background, but like, it, it's like her, her quotability and like mm. her intelligence and like cleverness and all of that is just so, it's so fun to think about. It just feels like, um, you know, since we weren't there imagining like what that must have been like to be in her realm right. when she's you know I've but few books where it's like well when I was in the room with Martha she was an enigma like you know she mm-hmm. the way the way people describe Martha and like these books memoirs things like that every everyone the conclusion is that Martha is a like sentient being mm-hmm. but the way people describe her is always such it's so different you know Mm -hmm. and when you try to cut and paste to sort of like get your idea of martha you're just kind of like this woman is crazy wild (laughs) (laughs) in a good way you know yeah yeah. it's it's crazy and also the way she creates like over time i'm i know she was going through different periods of exploration Mm -hmm. um when she was creating work so and dancing so it's Mm -hmm. just like who is, who was this woman? Right. Yeah. So interesting to get to know someone kind of like through their work. I, I think like, like, like I say, like balancing wise, it's the same thing. It's like every time we would do a different piece of his from a different time, it's like you learn something new that you put in a piece of your puzzle. And again, it's like just knowing them through this piece of art that's still sort of alive. It's so cool. So what was the first Graham work that you got to perform? The first grammar work that I got to perform was at the Juilliard School. Mm-hmm. Um, I did uh, Dark Meadow. Um, and that piece, um, 
was a great piece to have as my first grand piece because it is based very specifically in the human experience, the human psyche. Um, and it's very like mythological. Um, so uh, I had done two years of grandma Juilliard and then we weren't doing grandma anymore. And then we, uh, Therese Capostelli got uh, the chance to do Dark Meadow for our spring repertory concert. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's how, uh, we ended up doing dark meadow and then I was picked to be a lead. So that was really cool. Mm-hmm. So wait, I find that interesting that there was kind of like, I was going to ask how often you were doing Graham at Julia, but maybe not that often. And then there was a period of time where you took a break as well. Yeah, it was not very often. Like Graham was not on my radar at all until huh. senior year when I did dark meadow and it was such a wonderful experience um, that it led me to want to audition for the company, um, because they were hiring and they Mm -hmm. could see the show and the directors, I mean, Uh, and I, I was like, wait, you know, this was such a great experience. And I felt like I I did, you know, a good job. Mm -hmm. Um, and I felt like I learned so much about, about myself and about my dancing that I feel like this would be a great next step. Right. Yeah. So then how did that, how did you secure that? How did I secure that? So I guess, I mean, um, the Graham directors came to a Horton class uh, at Juilliard and my senior year. And I was like, okay, well, I'll just give them my, my resume. I was mm-hmm. like, ah, you know, I'm Leslie. Like, I know, I don't know, like, what the vibe was. Um, <laughs> and they were like, oh, thank you. You were in uh, Dark Meadow, weren't you? And I was like, Yes, I was. <laughs> and they're like, oh, we saw you as she of the ground. You were you were lovely. And I was like, thank you. You know, <laughs> like, oh my God. Um, so we did the Horton class and uh, one of the one of the uh, teachers at Julia was like, you know, um, the directors from Graham, they really liked you. And I was like, and then I got invited to the audition. Um so that was really cool. Um, and I was like, yeah, I, I will definitely absolutely go to the audition. And um, I think what solidified me wanting to be in the company is actually a week before the audition, they had this pre-audition workshop mm-hmm. where you could like take class and learn the rep and um, just get to know like the space, the teachers. Um, and in that week, I mean, I, th- I don't even think I did the whole week. I think I did like two or three days, mm-hmm. but in that, in that week, I was like, I love this. This, oh. this is amazing. And the audition was great because everything that I did in the workshop mm-hmm. is like the same stuff that we did, uh, in the, in the audition. So it was like, it was, it was perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, because Graham is something you definitely have to like refresh your memory on. Sure. Yeah. So, um, especially if you had only done it your first and second year of college. So mm-hmm. I was like, thank God for this workshop, because I don't know if I would have felt as confident going into the audition. Right. Right. Yeah. So then what was the audition process? Well, it was like two days, two days. So you start out with a ballet class, um, which I think is a new thing. Uh, Because I think the company was really looking for more like versatile dancers. Mm -hmm. Um, So we started with the ballet class and uh, that, that was really funny actually, because we had a Peju Chenpot who is like Graham principal star Mm -hmm. and she um, is very flexible and she has like a very strong ballet uh, background, obviously. And she 
starts the first combination is an adagio mm-hmm. so it's literally like developé and then promenade with developé in second and all mm-hmm. of us are in like unitards some people don't even have ballet shoes uh-huh. like people were just like what is the, like What's i'm going on expecting to do this at a grandma audition right and um so i was like i was fine and um then uh, we did, <laughs> and then we did um i actually brought ballet shoes i mean like yeah you did that's right fashion queen <laughs> anyway so we did that and then we did a gram combination which was like super hard mm-hmm. um and uh then we went into the rep portion uh we were separated uh uh by height because most of the rep is very based in heights um so i did um a I did a solo from Embattled Garden, uh, the role of Lilith, which is what I ended up doing uh, in the company. Or do like, uh, that one was really fun. It was very like sassy and sensual. And then we did Chronicle, um, and that was a big one because we had to do the fugue sequence, which was like a lot of jumps. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we had to do one of the hardest steps in Graham technique, which is a jump in second into a contraction sit to the floor uh and like, it's, it's literally one of the hardest steps and if you don't I just know, tore my acl in my head <laughs> <laughs> or your hamstring it's like either one um so it's like it's, it's super hard we had to do that first day and i'm like what, what is this but um i did my best and so then the second day we did like right of spring rep and just lots of rep, but it was a long two days. Um, wow. And at the end of the two days, we did this, uh, we did this um, piece by Adonis Faniadakis. Uh, it's a contemporary piece that the company did. Mm-hmm. And um, it's this duet, which is really crazy in terms of um, it's like twisting. There's a part where the girl's arm is, twisted behind her back and the guy has to lift her while she's twisted like upside down in this position and they have spin and um i have really crazy shoulders um so we kept rehearsing this one weird lift with the shoulder behind the back and it it felt like my shoulder was being ripped out of its socket Oh, no. Um, and that might have had to do with the partner I had. I mean, it's hard, <laughs> it's hard to know for sure. It's a really hard step. But also, like, I feel like once I did that piece in the company, mm-hmm. I was like, okay, it wasn't feeling like this in the audition. Right. Um, but it's a hard step either way. So, yeah, I felt like my shoulder was literally ripping out of its socket. Oh, no. And then um, by the end, because I just kept going because I was like, we're almost done. We're almost done. Mm-hmm. At the end, I started crying. <laughs> And Lloyd Knight, who was teaching the, the step, uh-huh. he comes up to me and he's like, are you okay? And I'm like, no, my <laughs> arm. And I had to stop. Uh-huh. And um, <clears throat> hey, she went and got like a bag of peas from the freezer in the, oh. in the kitchen, the dancer lounge. And um, I was icing my shoulder for the rest of the audition. It was like right at the end. I didn't <sighs> think to do it for, for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was like freaking out because at the end they called me back in and I was just sitting at this table with like the director, the associate mm-hmm. director, everybody. And I was like, I sing my shoulder like like, eyes all red, you know, and they're like, we'd like to offer you a contract with the company. And I was like, 
<laughs> you know, like crying, uh-huh. fast smiling, slash, you know, it was uh-huh. a big bag of emotion. Um, so that was, wow. it was a crazy audition. Just like that, huh? That's <laughs> yeah, amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Were they offering anyone else spots like that just right at the in the moment or is that normal? I think so. I mean, it was more like because they needed me specifically for um, some parts that they needed filled uh, for like some shows we were doing. I think immediately. Yeah, immediately. So so I I was the right woman for the job. Uh Wow, that's great. So then what were those early days like? Like how did how did company life stack up against maybe what your expectations were or like? you know, the dreams of being in a company. What were, especially, what were especially with new technique too. Yes. Yeah. Um, I was very nervous. Um, actually, I was very um, anxious about getting started because I knew that my gram wasn't like up to par. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was wow. really concerned that I was going to have a hard time, but I felt like there was some sort of, uh, trust that uh, the directors sort of had um, towards me because um, they, I mean, I think they really just needed spots filled. And I think that they saw something in me enough where I could, you know, um, learn quickly enough right. to go on stage. And that was the case. I mean, one of the first gram roles that I learned was a soloist part. Mm-hmm. So I had to really like get it together um and i had a lot of private sessions with denise and (laughs) just basically figuring it all out as i went um but when i first started we weren't even doing a lot of grammar we were doing more contemporary stuff and i was like okay like i got this i got this um but it still was hard not to feel like you didn't quite fit in with Mm -hmm. these people because you're just like they've all been established. I'm like the only new one right now. Like I just felt very much like, who can I, who can I, who am I jiving with? Right. The only person I felt like I was, the only person I felt was, well, I'm not going to say that, but I feel like Lloyd Knight, cause mm-hmm. he's a principal. So he's like, you know, he seems like unreachable, but um, he actually is like the nicest guy ever. Right. So when you have someone like that, that's super welcoming and, and, and comforting, you know, um, that really helped me. And also, uh, I had, uh, Blakely White McGuire, who, uh, is a former dancer with the company principal mm-hmm. legend. Um, she, I remember her pulling me aside and being like, Leslie, it's okay. You got this, mm-hmm. you know, just like keep going. And I, I'll never forget that because it was literally like the first or second day. And I was sort of getting a little bit like, um, I don't know, uh, stirred mm-hmm. by by everything that was going on um, because I was filling spots. So everyone knew the choreography and I right. was sort of learning it. Um, but there was a second cast learning it, but they were familiar with the piece. But I right. really was like new, new. So when you have people like that sort of helping you, um, encouraging you in the company, that definitely made me feel comfortable. Right. And that's where that need need to understand choreography and getting to know it really quickly came into play, I'll bet, and was really helpful for you. Yes. How much you mentioned working with the ballet masters kind of in private sessions. How much do the dancers also help you with like the technique part of it and kind of like help lead each other in that way too? Oh, it's a big part of how the company works. Um, dancers helping out with mm-hmm. uh, teaching parts coaching um it's a big part of how the company runs because our rehearsal director denise she's the only one 
Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, uh, I was new, so I, she needed to definitely help me. Otherwise I was going to go on stage and crazy. Mm -hmm. uh, but later, um, <laughs> when we were doing things like Rite of Spring, where there was a lot of core parts and things like that, <clears throat> she, you know, had to focus on other things. So there would be dancers that had been doing the part, the core chorus part for a while. So they would rehearse the new girls and they would coach them and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And um, it's, it's definitely something that the company does and it's mm -hmm. passed down. Yeah. yeah. Right. I just called them ballet masters as a force of habit. Of course they're rehearsal directors. <laughs> I realized afterwards I was like, duh. <laughs> Yeah, we, oh, we, I mean, this is a tangent, but Denise, your rehearsal director, is one of the most fascinating, um, like wild, eccentric, uh, like uh, just completely committed people I've ever seen in a room, working in a room. Yeah, I would say one of the reasons why I wanted to join the company is when I took my first class with her in that mm -hmm. workshop or like even over the summer course. She had so much energy and she seemed like one of those people that really kept it real. Um, mm -hmm. you know, she wasn't going to beat around the bush with how she taught and how she gave information and how she coached. She's right. really passionate when she's like really, it, when she's really feeling it, um, mm -hmm. that's when she's really the best. Um, so right. yeah, Denise is, yeah. Denise definitely was a, was a, prime figure in my early days of RAM. Right. I know she's always been a big supporter of yours and that you guys, you worked on, I'm guessing, some of your first soloist principal featured roles. Um, what were some of those roles and how did you get prepared for them to take them on stage? Um, so I guess the first one was soloist part like of uh, Chronicle, which is Steps Lead, mm -hmm. Leader of Steps in the Street. Um, and, uh, basically it was just a lot of looking at a video, different videos of, uh, former dancers, um, doing the role and sort of trying to apply it to my body. But also mm -hmm. since that was my first grim role that I learned, Denise was definitely very hands-on in terms of coaching me. And what I liked about the way she coached me was that, you know, she understood that like Graham was something I was still learning. Mm -hmm. Um, so she was like, you know, because actually Steps in the Street was the role that she originated. She actually created that role. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. basically. So, um, so she was like, just try this. You know, she was like, she would basically make it so I could do things that worked for my body. Mm -hmm. By the time the, the performances came around, I mean, I kind of, I wouldn't say that it was, it was super gram. I mean, like, the emotion, the feeling, mm -hmm. the intensity behind the movement. I think that's where my, that's my strong suit, sort of understanding the story of, mm -hmm. Prime, which is about, you know, women fighting, uh, you know, uh, in the midst of, of war battle. I, I feel like she saw that in me and helped me with that. Uh, then, you know, other parts like uh, Cave of the Heart in, uh, or Course Woman in Cave of the Heart, that's mm -hmm. something that she really worked with me on. Um, and that role is very interesting. Um, I wish I could like describe it in words, but it's one of those pieces that you really just have to see. Um, but she worked with me very much on that and that's a very technical role. So I learned a lot technically um, doing that role. And that was like my second 
year in the company. Mm-hmm. And then I'd say the biggest role that she worked with me on was um, the principal role in Chronicle. Right. Uh, and it's kind of funny because like I started as a soloist in Chronicle and then I, you know, my last mm-hmm. kind of big role that I did have done was principal role. So she worked with me on that because that role is about, it's, it's very complicated in terms of working with a large uh, costume, a large mm-hmm. skirt, working with the set um, and basically being on stage by herself for like 10 minutes for the first solo. And then like 10 ish minutes, 10 or almost more than 10 uh, minutes for the second half. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a lot of dancing. And um, she didn't really, she kind of left me to my own devices on the, on the, part that's uh, not with the skirt, Prelude to Action is mm-hmm. what that section is called. But Spectre is a very big, uh, it's a very important role in the gram rep and um, just working with the skirt, figuring out how it works and also um, just understanding the feeling behind the dancing. Um, she was definitely there with me in the room mm-hmm. working on that. So You mentioned um, her helping you find things that worked for your body. And I wonder, especially when these things are being passed down, like we know that, not to bring it back to Balanchine again, but just that there can be such specifics about how the choreography is done. How is that with Graham? Are they, are you more flexible in terms of like, here are different options we could put on your body? You kind of get to choose. How does that work? I think it's just different choices uh, choreographically. Mm -hmm. Um, I think like, when you have, for instance, like an attitude turn with a spiral, like you could either go very deep into the plie or you could just go quick into it, into the leg uh, fan mm. afterwards. Uh-huh. Like, you know, there are just different nuances, things you can play with. I see. Um, that I think Denise was very open to letting a dancer explore. Also, same for Janet, too, the the director. Um, mm-hmm. She... She's she has like a Broadway background. So for instance, like when she would coach me on on Chronicle uh, Spectre with the skirt, you know, there are a lot of moments that are so subtle that every dancer does differently. Right. Mm, and she was like, I see this for you. I see you wanting to do it a little bit more strong, you know, telling the audience exactly what it is that you want to say right off the bat. Whereas some dancers take a more subtle approach mm-hmm. so it's it's about feeling it's about technique choices um it's about you know finding your interpretations and how you want to uh, approach a move with a certain story a certain story in your head um it's it's actually quite broad uh, mm-hmm. the way it's sort of the way dancers interpret roles in the company because right. you usually learn them from videos and mm-hmm. also a lot of the roles, the directors maybe not have it done, you know, so right. they only give you their interpretation. Sure. Um, so you kind of, you have to do a lot of work, take responsibility for your own work a lot of the time. So it's not so much like, oh, that attitude turn, like I can't do that or whatever, let's do an arabesque turn. Like it's not so much changing the actual choreography as like the approach to it. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. So I feel like, I mean, my experience with the Graham dancers, you guys are probably the hardest workers I've ever met. And that carries over into taking on a lot of additional work outside of the company too. You guys are just always working and you're always doing different projects and exploring different uh, 
avenues for your different talents. So what are some of the things that you've done outside of the company recently um, that have sort of fed you artistically or like different new ways of working or different from different from what you're doing at Graham that you've been enjoying? Um, So I do a lot of work sort of in the, I try to incorporate my dance into as many forms of art as possible. Mm -hmm. So um, for instance, my favorite things that I've done is I've worked a lot in the fashion world Mm -hmm. and uh, I've done a few fashion shows or I've done like photo shoots, video shoots, um, video projects that are sort of based in style and design. Mm -hmm. Um, And I just love sort of putting my, my take on bringing a, a fashion story to life. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I've done a few things um, with some brands in New York mm-hmm. uh, that are very conceptual and um, high camp and, and very glamorous. And, you know, when you, when you have dance sort of mixed into fashion, it's like, you're not just a model, you're a storyteller. You right. know, that's, that's what I really like when it comes to, executing certain looks and things um, right. either a photo shoot or a video shoot. Um, also I did some, some stuff in Paris uh, that might be coming out soon. Um, and also one that just came out that I did. Uh, it's uh, I've been working with this um, very, very good friend of mine um, that I actually met doing a fashion show. Uh, he's like a stylist, creative director, Um, his name is Alex IQ and we do a lot of just like passion projects together. Mm -hmm. Uh, he brings a great team of, of artists together to just create looks and, and shoot them on film or on camera. And, um, it's been really great sort of figuring out what it means to sort of, uh, imagine and, uh, be the conceptualizer, I guess you Mm -hmm. could say behind, uh, certain stories that you want to tell. Um, So that's been really cool. And then also I've worked with uh, this artist, uh, Rasheed Johnson, who um, did like an art exhibition um, at a local gallery in New York, but it started first uh, at a gallery in Aspen. And um, we got to, for the opening of the gallery exhibition, me and uh, Lloyd Knight did a uh, dance show uh, in uh, inspiration uh, mm-hmm. with the, the the exhibition, so right. cool. that was really cool. Um, let's see, yeah, and I just do a lot of my own stuff too. It's just it's just fun to be creative uh, in all ways because I feel like my my gram strength is that I am a storyteller. I think, and I can find I have this sort of innate understanding for tapping into character roles, but also just like understanding uh the the feeling behind um mm-hmm. a movement uh mm-hmm. so when i think about that it really helps me do other things because they sort of inform each other right mm-hmm. that's exactly what i was going to say when you start talking about storytelling and the in your other um like artistic outlets like that is is 100 i think what you bring to graham i just remember how breathtaking you were in that op- the opening of chronicle that was the first thing i ever saw you do and yeah, you guys love to tell stories, but it's just, it's so beautiful. I think in ballet, we get a little, I mean, uh, you know, there are factions and I think our faction, maybe we tend to look down on storytelling. Yeah. It's because 
sometimes in ballet, I feel like it's divorced from the movement, but you guys, like, it's just so, they are one and the same. You can't have one without the other, and it's so compelling. Yeah, and I think that's so interesting because when I when I watch like balancing ballets with no story, mm-hmm. I I it's so funny because I feel I feel a story when right. I watch it, mm-hmm. um, which is really cool because I think that's probably the intent. Like yeah. mm-hmm. like it could be uh it, it could be interpreted in so right. many ways, but at least it's like a clear sort of base mm-hmm. of beauty and and composition that create that stir up emotions that stir right. up feelings you know mm-hmm. so i think it's i think it's still storytelling without yeah yeah story, which i think is really totally so we're gonna get to our final segment of the interview where we do a lightning round um and we just ask you a few questions and you tell us the first thing you think of okay. so um what is the your favorite work in your repertoire so far um it's either in battle garden or chronicle most memorable onstage moment? Um, ooh, I think just doing Chronicle. <laughs> it just gives you chills down your spine. And um, as soon as that curtain goes up and you're sitting on the set and you lift your arms. And, oh, actually, no, the music starts. It goes, mm. and you're like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> chills up the spine. And mm-hmm. I, I never, I'll never forget that feeling. Mm-hmm. What is your dream role that you have not yet danced? Um, Aaron to the Maze. Uh, it's a duet, um, and it's like a 15 minute nonstop for the time. Um, but it's a beautiful story about overcoming fear. Uh, it's a Martha Graham ballet Mm -hmm. and, uh, it's, it's a beautiful story about overcoming fear. And there's a monster who plays like the, who's like an archetype of fear, Mm -hmm. um, that you battle. And, uh, it's a, it's a great, it's on YouTube. Check it out. Um, I've been Aaron to the maze, Martha Graham, Therese Capucilli, Graham legend. She does it. Uh, Okay. We're on it. Um, do you have a, something that's been really getting you through COVID quarantine, maybe a book podcast, something you're doing? Um, so I, like to as we were saying uh, prior to the interview um i like to just like create makeup looks and like mm-hmm. dress up yes and, uh, even though i have nowhere to go i just love the feeling of just being like really dressed up for no reason and it gives me a lot of joy um and uh i take pictures or i'll just like call my friends be like look what this makeup look i did you know i i like to just have mm-hmm. fun with it so um, just anything that's creative, I guess, writing, drawing, mm-hmm. creating makeup looks, um, things like that really help. Wonderful coping mechanisms. <laughs> keep, just keep putting your looks out onto the gram so that we can feel the joy that you feel when you the, do them. <laughs> the Instagram, not the Martha Graham. Oh, 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 pun, pun. <laughs> do you love Wow. We are in our thirties. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> not Leslie. Leslie. We won't drag you there yet. Um, thank you so much, Leslie. This was so great. Oh my God. Thank you. So much fun. And I can't wait for everyone to fall in love with you the way we have. Aw, you guys are great. Really. <laughs> Thanks, Leslie. Thank you for joining us this week. If you would like to support the Conversations on Dance podcast, there are a few ways that you can help. Click over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. Download episodes when you listen to allow our analytics to better understand our listenership. Join our Facebook group, Conversations on Dance, Friends of the Pod, or you can offer a donation. Conversations on Dance has always been and will always be free to our listeners. 
You can help us continue to create and produce this unique behind-the-curtain look at the dance world by visiting conversationsondancepod.com slash support. Thank you for tuning in. See you next week. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.